When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rob Duquette is a multi-instrumentalist singer-songwriter and head of the eponymously named band Duquette. A longtime sideman during the 1990s on drums, xylophone, guitar, and vocals for Jonathan Edwards of the Love and Spoonfuls touring band, and one half of the critically acclaimed jazz folk pop duo Cactus Highway during the 2000s, Rob finally broke away and created three solo work albums, including his latest Stay With Me. Recorded at Acacia Recording Studios in Rob's home base of Portland, Maine, Rob plays nearly all the instruments on the album. A skilled musical instructor and arranger, his work reflects his versatility and eclectic musical range. So welcome back to Backstory Song. I'm here with Rob Duquette of the eponymously named Duquette, who has three albums out, Stay With Me, Trust the Night, and This Time. Let's start by talking about moving on. couple years I picture the road and the miles ahead I filled my head with 1970s songs songs of the road and rambling on I love you still as I look ahead it's nothing you said it's nothing you did I'm moving on, 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 I'm moving on. What's this song about? It's about accepting that, um, or finally, because in my situation, personally, it was a situation I held on for a long time, held off from moving on. Because kids were involved, and I wasn't sure if uh, <laughs> I was meant to maybe not be completely happy in my marriage life while sticking around for the kids. I knew that wasn't the way to do it, but it was a hard transition, as some people might be able to relate to that. It was hard to finally start talking about the fact that I'm not happy, and the kids aren't benefiting from that. So this is a breakup divorce song with your first wife? Yes. In the first verse, you seem to make reference to the Almond Brothers? You know, the original lyric actually had the artists, uh, Jackson Brown and Jonathan Edwards. 
because I was uh, hugely influenced by Jackson Brown in my 20s. And to this day, he's my all-time favorite. And then uh, Jonathan Edwards was him, Cat Stevens, and John Lennon were the three people that got me writing when I was a kid. So I had those two guys in mind, Jackson Brown and, and Jonathan Edwards. Oh, running on. Yeah, particularly Jackson with his songs about being on the road, you know, f- for sure. But uh, Jonathan had some of those in it, running through his songs too, particularly his first album. So you're an incredible multi-instrumentalist. Maybe you could tell me some of the instruments you actually play, which are on this song. Yeah. You know, drums and percussion were always the, the main thing that I've been known for, but I've always played guitar and a xylophone is tied right in with percussion. So hand drums of various kinds, world percussion, you know, hand drums, uh, drum set, xylophone, guitar, keyboard. I'm a bit of a hack on keyboard, but I do love playing. And I'm going to be doing an online show soon where I'm incorporating all those things. I'm, I'm going to be doing a setup where I have a xylophone in front of me and a kick and a snare and a hi-hat and then a keyboard to my left. It's been my COVID project, I guess you could say. And you have been a session musician around, mainly on percussion instruments. And in fact, I've been part of Jonathan Edwards' touring band, right? In, in that role? Yeah, I was in his group for about four years. He hired me as a drummer and a backup vocalist, so I sang all the high harmonies. And for those of you who listen to Jonathan and haven't seen him for a while, he's as fabulous as he's ever been, both his harmonica playing and his singing. He sings Sunshine Go Away in a higher key than it was originally recorded. I don't know how he does that. but And so I had to sing the high harmonies on all that stuff, which was right at my peak in some situations. <laughs> but then, then he heard me play guitar and he asked me to start bringing my guitar. So I had sort of a multi-setup. That was my first time sort of professionally bringing more than one instrument to a gig. So I had a, a small drum set, Kunga, he loves Kunga, and a Doombeck, so some hand drums, and then uh, my guitar. I've noticed that the percussion instruments, like the broad range, what most people don't realize is, is kind of at the core of your music. It's, you know, piano is a percussion instrument. Most people don't realize that. That's true, yeah. In moving on here, um, you have this first paragraph, the first verse uh, where, you, you, you know, you're talking about the road in reference to some of your inspirations. Second verse, you talk about being in Idaho and Eastern Washington. Yeah, I was in a group called Cactus Highway. And, and one thing, I, I don't know, I can almost answer both of those questions in the same way because I was touring in the early 2000s and we had a gig in Pocatello, Idaho, and then we made our way through Oregon and we went up to Washington. That was a real tour that we did. Bellingham was where we ended. And then we went down to LA from there. But anyways, so you asked about the line, I think about picturing the road and all that stuff. I gave up touring completely when my kids were born because I wanted to be with them every day. So one thing I did was I quit touring. We moved up to Portland, Maine, and I, I played in bars just about every night as a drummer and a singer. And then I started playing guitar and bands and led my own bar band for a real short spell because I had never done that. I, I'd always done original music. So I thought it was almost like uh, something I should do at some point. So uh, part of it was you know letting go of the road so that I could be with my kids. And, and I've never regretted that for a second. But that imagery comes out in that song when I was thinking about leaving and whatnot, you know. So in the last verse, where you're kind of trying to come to resolution about moving on, you say, I use my mistakes for my fuel. It's nothing you said. No, it's nothing you did. Yeah. Kind of putting it on yourself and not the other person. 
Yeah, at the time I was, but it takes two to not communicate because it was kind of a, a situation where there was less and less communication as time went on, sort of an inability to get past that, to connect. But I was definitely acknowledging my own mistakes, accepting them and working through them. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the last line's a bit of a um, lie, <laughs> not to call you on it. But, <laughs> you know, it's nothing you said, no, it's nothing you did. Well, you know, come on. yeah it was it was uh, some things you said and it's some things you did yeah but you know where i was coming from with that line also was it was what she didn't say there was that lack of communication so it's nothing you said that's kind of where that came from although when i wrote it i knew that it could be taken a different way i really like how you end with this sort of echoey screaming painful back vocal yeah. My producer, for the record, asked me just to kind of improvise and um, I didn't know what he was going to keep. So I think he went a couple times through. And so I just improvised. I, I wasn't thinking of anything at all. Even now when I sing that song, it's hard not to get very emotional singing it because it's it's uh, so personal. This album's more personal than anything I've done, frankly. But I think it was just, I still had it and my, my emotions were still kind of raw. So I just kind of improvised from that kind of. He kept what he liked, I guess. <laughs> So tell me, when did you start writing songs and why did you start writing songs? Well, you know, I started playing in bands when I I was really young as a drummer. I didn't even sing. I I was too kind of shy. So I was 14, 15, and then by 16, I was playing in bars professionally. So, And it was around that time that I started writing my own songs. I I had no desire to show them to anyone. They were kind of like Cat Stevens songs. They were very spiritual and personal and everything. And and so I, I couldn't imagine sharing that with anyone. But I, I don't know, it was kind of an expression that I took to, I guess. And now I know that writing is the way that I, I work through th- certain things. Even if I'm not writing songs at the time, I am journaling and it's kind of the same the same outlet. If I don't journal or write anything for a while, it, it I, I feel it emotionally. It's, it's the same as if I don't drum for a couple of days. I get very antsy <laughs> physically. I, you know, I can't sit still, you know. So it's one of the outlets that I, I've found that I need to be healthy. So when I started writing songs, I, I got a kick out of it because I was already playing guitar at that age, just in my bedroom and keyboards, you know, I was I was just learning Beatles songs or whatever, you know, but I could instantly come up with a, a melody and a, and a chord progression and have a, a simple tune. So by the time I was maybe 20, I had 30 songs maybe that I that I started recording on my four track, you know. That's when I started playing them for maybe a girlfriend here and there, or maybe a friend. But I didn't, I didn't sing and play guitar in public till I was probably 25. Nobody knew I did that. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. next song we're going to talk about, Rob, is See Me, also a breakup song. I really love the xylophone introduction on this. And, you know, you don't hear xylophone a lot on rock and pop and alt-indie albums these days, and it's kind of neat. Oh, thanks. I love the the tonal qualities of the xylophone and that you can get a nice melody from it. I'm not a horn player, so that's one thing I could always do is add xylophone to the compositional elements of a song, you know? So I always love that. And, I, and I'm inspired by maybe by Frank Zappa uh, as much as anyone in bringing that instrument to a popular setting, you know? It's a similar topic from Moving On. They, they kind of go together. A divorce situation, hanging on to the situation maybe longer than I, I should have, and the inability to communicate. And yeah. This one has a real Jackson Brownie feel to me. Oh, cool. It's kind of interesting how you don't rhyme. You don't have couplets in this song. Yeah. And yet it's still quite listenable. Do you ever think about that? That you don't actually write rhymes? <laughs> uh, not when I was writing that one, no. But I have thought about that before. In fact, you know, the first time I, I started thinking about that was uh, a Jackson Brown interview. I think it was Songwriter Magazine back in, when I was in Cambridge. I, I spent a long time in Cambridge, Massachusetts as a songwriter, you know, late 90s into the early 2000s. My wife and I lived there in the Boston area. We spent a lot of time at Club Passim. They used to have that Songwriter Magazine there. And he, he talked about how he, at the time, he was interested in not rhyming, not having everything line up. And at the time, my wife and I were both writing. And, you know, early on, I think I think it was just a matter of 
it was more emotion and, you know, how you could be kind of different. But at the time, I think we were both very intrigued by the craft of songwriting. So rhyming was certainly a part of that. So tell me about the production of the album and the song, See Me Moving On. Yeah, you know, both those songs were obviously very personal. And, and the process of recording them, the production, was really freeing. Doug Luther was the producer, and the engineer was Jason, Jason Phelps. We had the grand piano set up. We had a drum set all mic'd. We had the guitar rigs kind of on the ready, or we'd be able to set them up pretty quick, whether it was electric guitar or acoustic guitar, um, percussion. We had everything ready to go, and it was just, they were like, okay, what do you want to do? So I'd lay down some drums, I'd lay down some piano, and, and it's kind of the way I started doing it when I was a kid with my four track, because I would just do all the instruments myself, you know? Whereas the last album that I called uh, Trust the Night, I had a lot of guests, you know, Jonathan Edwards was on it and some other really great players. And it was a pretty amazing experience, really, to go back to that, but have it in a studio, you know. I didn't have to worry about the engineering part of it. been a long day Come and sit by the fire I'll stoke the flames Nothing to forgive I'm always here when you need me I'm the one Who's seen you grown From the time you first started We made a home Now you've got two I'm always here when you need All right, you be the tree. It's a nice major key with a nice hook in this song. I like I love the hook in this song. Oh, cool. I'm not sure when that came in, but I know that I started writing that after I had left home and was grappling with, okay, how can I still let the kids know I love them more than anything and not see them maybe as much as I, I was. Although, you know, I found shortly after that, I, I found that the quality time had not diminished, you know, at all. I was still having quality time with them and they never felt like they weren't loved, you know, but I started writing about dropping them off basically uh, at their mom's, you know. So it starts off with dropping my son off. And clearly this was a song for my son who had a hard time with it, harder than my daughter. And what happened was I was kind of uh, renting a room for about a month or so. And then when I first got my apartment, I started writing the song and I couldn't get through it. I could I couldn't. I'd work on it and then I'd start crying. I, I couldn't get through it, you know. So, and it wasn't until several months later that I could actually finish it and think about maybe performing it live. I don't know. And so you do perform this live now. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't cry when you do that or? <laughs> it's close sometimes, actually. <laughs> it's gotten easier because I spent so much time with both the kids and they're just doing so great. So this is it's got a lot of parental moments in it, blowing a kiss, secret handshakes, talking man to man. Yeah. Is this a poem to your son? Do you want him to? Yeah, I guess so, you know, and it's sort of a, 
a wish to continue as, as we had been when I was living at the home with them. I didn't want any of that to change, really. I wanted our relationship to continue to flourish and grow. And then there's that bridge where I, I say, I'm all right. I don't know what prompted me to do that, but I was just kind of maybe was one of the things that helped me not cry, <laughs> you know, when I was singing it, you know, I'm all right, I'm all right, you know. Um, sometimes a mantra is helpful to parents, you know, to anyone, but a mantra that it's okay, you're doing all right. Yeah, it's kind of like the whole song is you talking to your son, and then in the end, you're just kind of talking to yourself. Yeah, yeah, reassuring myself. Yeah, I needed that at the time. The sort of cliche is the apple doesn't fall from the tree, but your chorus is kind of the opposite. Tell me about the chorus. Well, you know, there's the nourishing factor of soil and the tree growing above the soil, right? So I'll lift you up over my head. I'll be the dirt. That's almost a funny line to say, call yourself dirt. And I accept all interpretations, you know, that people might have, especially if it makes them smile for a minute. I'll be the dirt, you be the tree. Since they were babies, I've, I've always kind of pictured lifting them up, letting them grow and, and just nurturing them. In fact, this goes into uh, the song that I wrote for my daughter, Lighthouse, which we haven't gotten to yet, but like... Let's talk about that. Her walk. I watched her learn to talk, but she doesn't talk like she used to. But she laughs, I've seen her cry, and she cries just like she used to. She looks back to where it's safe, and I start to let go of the anchor. She walks alone on her own and I stand like a lighthouse Oceans of souls on her own and I stand like a Well, there's that line where I say, letting go of the anchor, because there's all this sort of ocean sort of imagery, and I'm talking about letting go of the anchor. And, and that's just the way I've always parented has been like, little by little, you just let them go a little bit more and make more and more of their own decisions and have their own say. And, and it's kind of a gradual thing. So that's kind of, I guess, an imagery for both songs. You know, I kind of like that one song is about your son and one clearly is to your daughter. Yeah. Yeah, it, I lucked out, I guess. Lighthouse was a poem that I wrote when Stella, she was probably in fourth grade, I bet. She's in high school now. <laughs> I'd walk her across the street, and little by little, I'd let her walk further and further on her own. And this is a good image of what I'm saying about letting them have more and more of their own choice, you know? So it ended up being, eventually, I just kind of walked out to the driveway and watched her walk to school. One morning after watching her walk to school, I just went in and wrote a poem called Lighthouse. I might have already been in the studio by, at this time. I released the album Stay With Me. I released it in December, but we started that about a year ago. So 
I think I was already in the studio and I had You Be the Tree and my producer was adamant that we had to record that song. And I was thinking, oh, that'd be cool if I had a song for the girl. And I remembered that poem and sure enough, I found it in a journal and just by sheer luck, the tune came to me. So bang, I had one for each of them. (laughs) So you live in Portland, which is on the Atlantic Ocean, and this song has a lot of uh, sea imagery in it. Yeah, right down to the the cover of the album, which that was a bit of a lark. It's weird because I, I left um, I left home in February, I'd say of 2017, I think. It was like January. And then in April of that year, I met my current wife, Amanda. Neither of us were in a place where we wanted to be in a relationship, but it wasn't really up to us because <laughs> we fell deeply in love. And what happened was I proposed to her at that spot where the album cover, that picture that was taken, that's right after I proposed to her. It's my favorite spot on the ocean. And I proposed to her, we were hugging and everything, and and then she clicked that shot. And if you look closely, there's a shadow of us hugging and her leg kicked up behind her, sort of. She's a dancer, you know, so it's almost like this old sort of school, like hugging each other with her kicking her leg up, you know? So even the cover has that ocean imagery. Ocean has been really important through this whole process, I guess. I've always felt that. Well, you guys do some performance art pieces, right? Yeah. It was sort of short-lived, but it basically, <laughs> I did what Jonathan Edwards is doing now, which is just doing all his gigs solo, really. So I started doing that with Amanda dancing, and we've had some really magical moments with that because she does lyrical dance and she grew up dancing and teaching dance and everything and studying dance. So not only do we do our kids music together, but we do that together. That's kind of on pause of, of course, along with everything else, but no, that was, that was great to have the dance and the, just me on whatever instruments I, I brought. I think the last thing we did, I had xylophone and guitar, I think. So I went between the two instruments. This song Lighthouse has a wide range of instruments. Is there a cello on it or... Oh, uh, that's actually that's actually Stella playing uh, violin. Oh, is it? Oh, it's violin. There's a little bit of mandolin there toward the end, and then I think everything else I played is uh, you know guitar and percussion. Luke plays shaker. My son. That was it's a real family affair on this one, huh? Yeah, it was great. So, do you like being a parent? I love it. I love it. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And so you write kids. Yeah, music. yeah. So, so tell me about that. When the kids were still babies and I was with them every day, somebody wanted me to come and play music for uh, daycare at the time. There were a lot of like kind of home daycare centers. And so I was, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And I've always appreciated, you know, Fred Rogers and the Sesame Street crew. All that stuff was so inspiring to me, you know, as a kid. And Muppet movie was the best, you know. And so I always had that in my head. And I started doing this about once a week. I'd go in with, I'd bring my kids and, and I'd sing a few songs, maybe a half hour and then leave. And I started coming up with my own things, you know, Brush Every Day, Friends Forever. These are songs that I still do. One summer I, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to do a couple kids shows. What the heck? So I did three concerts that went quite well. And by the next summer I was doing 30 shows, I think, or something that summer. And it just became a no-brainer that that's where I should be spending my attention. So I've done that. I don't know if it's been quite 10, but probably close to 10 years. And my wife, Amanda, and I have joined forces because she's been Amanda Panda for quite a while, maybe the same amount of time. 
So we've combined our thing into Kind Kids Music. And Kind Kids Music has been going into schools and libraries and around the country for several years, teaching children about kindness through our songs. Oh, that's great. We had Steve Seskin on Backstory Song. Oh, right. Yeah. I can't wait to hear that one. Do you play uh, Lighthouse and You Be the Tree to the kids? You know, we've done that. We do this big concert on New Year's Eve at L.L. Bean, Freeport, Maine. It's an amazing night. There's a countdown to 6 p.m., <laughs> but it's huge. It's, you know, thousands of people and it's outdoors, so it's really cold, but it's super fun. And in the middle of that concert, of us doing our regular repertoire, you know, uh, kids' music, I did, um, I don't remember if we did Tree, but we definitely did Lighthouse. It went over great. It's almost like a crossover sort of thing where it's almost like a kid's song, but, you know, it's obviously directed toward parents, I think, you know, overall, but um, it went great. Without asking, kids started singing along because there's a big pause before I sing Lighthouse. There's a big pause. Everything stops and I go, Lighthouse. And one time through that, kids started singing along. They'd go, Lighthouse, before we even started. So, so that was really neat. Yeah, it's a song that really feels like it's from Portland, Maine, and that whole you know Maine coast area. Are you inspired by where you live? Funny, the ocean has just been always important to me. I grew up in Hollis, New Hampshire, so it took about an hour to get to the ocean. But whenever we made the trek out, it was really special. And I remember spending a lot of time in Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. And coming up to the Maine coast was always really magical. And then I went to school for a couple of years up here in, in the Portland area. Always had a mind of moving north. After I got my undergrad in music performance, I went down to Boston for quite a few years. But always, always wanted to kind of move back to Maine. So yeah, that's always been a big part of it. It's funny because Lighthouse, I, I picture as the strong structure that is easily found, right? The imagery, I think when I wrote the poem was that that was my desire to be like a lighthouse for her when she got older. Because like I said, when I wrote that poem, she was in, in elementary school. From when they woke up in the morning till till three or so, four o'clock in the afternoon or whatever, I was with them. So it's kind of easy, but I think when they get to be teenagers and there's more challenges that come up. So I think it was my desire to continue to be like a lighthouse for her when she needed me. Well, we're recording this right in the middle of the corona quarantine, which is affecting all teenagers in a totally unique way. I mean, it's a generation, it's a unpredictable thing that's monumentally transformative and confining. And so how are you dealing with that with your teenage daughter? You know, that, that's been great. I get them about half the time. I'm big on giving them a good breakfast. You know, I, I love cooking for the kids. So like, we'll have a nice breakfast together. They'll go do their work. I hit the studio to practice and do my work back together at lunch, check in, <laughs> you know, and then we go back to work. I go back to the studio or I'll, I'll work on my hand. I, I'm doing a book called Hand Harmonies, which stems from my years of teaching. I hope to release it soon. But anyway, so I'll, I'll either practice some more or I'll write or I'll work on my book. And then we just kind of come together. They, they usually finish school pretty early. So we'll have the afternoon and evening to hang out. It's been hard that they don't get to see their kids, you know, and they both have birthdays during this time. So they can't have birthdays with their buds, you know, that's kind of a drag. So we're just trying to make it as special as we can for them, you know? Yeah, no, it's hard. I have a teenage daughter. Her senior year is being ruined and her freshman year in college is going to be different too. We don't kind of know how that's going to play out. Wow. So that's that, that year. Yeah. Wow. 
It's okay to be vulnerable now It's okay now the gig is all up It's okay to be vulnerable now It's time to just be open wide It's okay to be trusting for now It's okay not to know anything It's okay to be trusting for now It's time to just go tell the truth It's okay to be happy for now It's okay just to let it all in It's okay to be happy for now It's just enough for everyone You have finished the race But you still keep on running Just give up the chase Something happened So Rob, the next song we're going to talk about is It's Okay. I like this one again with the xylophone. Yeah, I'm liking that melody more and more as I play it. Because I'm learning how to play these songs live still, you know, picking what instruments I want to play. I kind of had this concept where I wanted to, you know, sometimes show up on a gig and just play just xylophone on all the songs or just keyboard or just guitar, you know. So learning how to play that one has been really fun. Another Jackson Brown, no rhyming song. No, I I didn't realize. (laughs) So you don't even think about that. You just kind of. No, no, I don't think so. This one came probably around the time that Tree came. So that one obviously is more about son, but It's Okay was about about me. <laughs> I found myself drinking uh, wine and finishing the bottle before I, was, I even knew what was happening. So I stopped doing that right away. I was like, okay, that's not helping anything. But I came up with the original concept while having a couple glasses of wine. And the original lyric was kind of like a scrambled egg situation. You know how Paul McCartney wrote scrambled eggs and it turned into uh yesterday right so it's kind of like i had words that were just there which was i'm a walking cliche i was divorced i was you know in my 40s i was drinking wine i just i was like wow i'm a, I'm a walking cliche look at that so that was my original lyric but i turned into uh you have finished the race uh, and i was feeling that was making more sense than than the other line and it was kind of like i had a placeholder as these silly lyrics kind of you know which has happened before what has happened often is i come up with like a placeholder for lyrics and i just i never go back to it i kind of figure okay that's that song's never gonna happen but this one had something in it coming right out and just saying it's okay to be vulnerable now or it's okay to be loved kind of focus on myself a little bit and Make sure that this thing that I went through with moving on and see me doesn't happen again. Are you talking to yourself or are you talking to others? Both. I'd say when I wrote it, I was talking to myself. We have a lot of blocks, I think, as as humans and so many people sort of fighting each other and getting in their own camps. And and this is well before the situation we're in now with COVID-19. At the time, I was just feeling like, let's just throw our hearts out there and sort of communicate, I guess, you know. You finish with your falsetto, which you've mentioned you've been hired for. <laughs> yeah, I've made some of my living with the with the falsetto. Although although Jonathan always had me play uh, sing in my chest voice. If I went to falsetto, he'd, he'd call me on it. If we were doing any vocal warm-ups before the show and I went to falsetto, he'd, he'd be like, ah, chest voice. 
he didn't like the falsetto. So I had to sing in full chest voice, which was cool. But This chorus does rhyme. It's just your verses that don't rhyme. So I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. The minor key here, right? Yeah, it's kind of a descending sort of thing that I came up with, I think, shortly before the lyrics started coming. You know, it wasn't really a separate thing. I think the lyrics came pretty quick, but I was liking the feel of, there's some tensions in the in the chords, but it's a descending sort of line that at one point the melody came to me separate from an instrument. So I had to sing it into my voice memo. Oh, really? Yeah. I knew there was a good potential that that was the melody. You know, I, I just had a hunch that was what was needed there and it was, it was perfect. I didn't know for sure until we did it in the studio. So tell me about that. You jump in the studio and who's with you? How did it go down? It's just me, man. I'm playing everything except for the violin that Stella plays. And there's a couple of tracks where I had my good friend, John Cumnick. John Cumnick has been the bass player in the group for a lot of years now. He's played with Cindy Lauper and David Bowie and, and these folks. The producer, Doug, Doug Luther wanted it just to be me because he heard me playing. He's like, no, I just want, I just want you and that's it. But I talked him into having John come in and play bass on a, maybe four tracks. And then Jason Phelps, the engineer, played bass on a couple. And then I played bass on, on a few. But it's basically just me, you know, playing everything. So we had the basic guitar and drums and maybe bass. And it was basically at the point in the song where I was like, oh, what do you want to do? So I was like, how about I go in and I'll see if this melody works? Because I got this melody that I, I just really think it'll make sense in there. There was a xylophone there. I didn't have to bring mine. So I played it, heard it back. I was like, yep, that's it. <laughs> that's the melody. For years, I, I was really focused just in composition. I stopped writing songs for a spell and I had a group. We're all jazz musicians. I'm jazz trained, you know, so we were playing basically world jazz. So kind of jazz compositions kind of done in a world with different world genres in mind. So I was just doing instrumental music and composing for that. So that's where the xylophone comes in even now, I think, where there's melodies and and harmonies that go around the stories. That was the Cactus Highway, right? Yeah, yeah. That was in there too, sure. That was a kind of heralded jazz folk pop group, if there is such a thing as jazz folk pop heralding. Yeah, we were compared to Steely Dan and groups like that, which was very humbling. We were both coming from a jazz place, but steeped in folk. You know, God, I, you know, I love the stories and the folk tradition is so strong and and that really served me well when I was in Jonathan's band, you know. I learned so much more about it when I was in his band. And you guys were playing some of the like legendary clubs, that some of which are gone. Club Passim, Richard's Cafe, Bar Lubitsch, the Bluebird Cafe, Kenny's Castaways, which is gone. Yeah, uh, Nietzsche's in Buffalo. I remember liking that place. That was really neat. That's still around. Yeah, we, we toured all around. It was really fun. And, you know, it was a full band for a while. And, and if you listen to the, the first Cactus Highway album, there's, I really like the idea of interspersing some acoustic numbers with the full band numbers. That band that's on that album was a gigging band. We, we were doing gigs with that exact ensemble. Even then, I would go from drums to guitar, depending on the, on the piece, you know. But uh, then we started touring more, and it just became the two of us. And the, the lineup was Andrea on sax and flute and vocals and then me on guitar and vocals basically way you move it's like a wave falling on the shore i like a groove 
my for sure And I know that I can't keep you from my mind anymore Trying hard, trying hard not to fall for you Trying hard, trying hard not to fall for you hanging out But it's getting late My passion screams and shout And I know that all it takes is just one kiss Then we're done The last song I want to talk about Trying Hard is actually one of my favorites from the new album It's probably the most poppy song of the ones we've talked about. Also features the xylophone, which I kind of love it. Yeah. So I mentioned um, leaving home in January of, I think, 2017. And then, so February, March, April, so three or four months later, I met my wife, Amanda, and we both were not interested in anything other than friendship. So we instantly really liked each other and wanted to continue a friendship we're adamant that we, we didn't want anything else. And of course, that's not up to us. So we we <laughs> fell for each other hard. And so that song basically is just saying, I'm trying hard not to fall for you. And of course, that's not so easy to do, <laughs> to force such a thing to happen. So it became kind of a funny sort of tune, but I was really excited about it because I love pop music. You know, as much as I love Thelonious Monk and God, you know, um, Anthony Braxton and all these the Conitz, um jazz people. Jazz music still inspires me greatly as as does folk, but I really love pop music. I, I grew up with, uh, like the song says, you know, 70s songs, you know, on the radio. That's the first thing I heard. So when I came up with that tune, it wrote itself pretty quick, you know. I was really excited about it. And, I, and we were doing pretty regular gigs with the band. So I, I remember doing a, a voice memo and sending it to the band right away and say, hey, we got to write out charts. We got to learn this tune. I was feeling like, wow, this is a pop tune, man. But it's basically about trying not to let anything happen romantically. <laughs> of course, you know, a few months after that, we bought a house and we got married. So, <laughs> so there we are. It's like a love song about not falling in love. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, fighting against it. Kind of has a Neil Simon Graceland feel or Delamitri role to me, it reminds me of. Oh, Paul Simon, really? Or Paul Simon, sorry. I always do that wrong. I knew what you meant. Yeah, it has a Paul Simon Graceland kind of feel to me. Wow. Kind of that world beat element to it with the xylophone. That's that's great. That's great that you'd say that. Delamitri's role to me is famous for being like, DJs are looking for songs that are like two minutes, because if you have two minutes left to play, you, you know, you, you can't play a three and a half minute song you know, before the commercial break. So they love that song for that reason. You know, this yeah. has that kind yeah. of feel to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I didn't do any promotion for this album at all, really, because the last one I did and I, and I toured on it, you know, that was 2017, I believe. The kids were getting a little bigger, so I started venturing out again. This album, you know, I re released it in December and come March, the, the whole world's changed, so. So we got we got some local airplay. WCLZ has been great. They've been very supportive playing the album. And 
we haven't done any kind of getting that album out there at all. So, so I asked this of most people, do you have any songs that you've written where you would love to have a voice, the dream voice, sing it like, you know, like if you could take any one of your songs and you could pick any artist to record it. Mm, can I pick a couple people? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can pick a couple songs. You can pick a couple people. Yeah. I love Jackson Brown so much. He's, he's my all time favorite, you know, but also, as you know, I, I'm a big jazz fan. So like Kurt Elling or Bobby McFerrin or, or someone like that, Al Jarreau's not with us anymore, but any of those guys, uh, if they could sing anything from this album. It's okay, maybe, or something. That'd be pretty amazing. I'd love to hear how they interpret it. You know, that's the thing. You know, I, I think most songwriters don't want to hear it done like they've done it. They want to see if there's a there's another way of doing the song. Guys like that, Kurt Elling, and uh, he's done amazing stuff with Wayne Shorter pieces and things like that. You know, he's certainly someone I'd love to hear what he would do to it. You know, yeah, they make it their own. You know, yeah, exactly, yeah. Rob Duquette, thank you for being on Backstory Song. I have to thank you, and I have to thank Wyatt Schmidt, our recording engineer here in the booth, for putting this together. And we thank you for listening to Backstory Song. Is there anything you'd like to say to your fans, Rob? Ah, just thanks. You know, we're at musicandmagic.org, where we sort of have all the stuff that we're doing, Duquette, obviously, and we're also doing Kind Kids Music. But also, uh, for 10 years now, we've been giving instruments to kids. That's been a mission of my wife for, for 10 years now. So it's kind of an umbrella for all the different things we're doing. And we're on Facebook and all that stuff. You know, What's the Facebook address? Duquette the Band. And then it's Kind Kids Music. And then, of course, the education part of what I do is Hand Harmonies. That's the book and the video series that's about to be uh, um, released. Rob Duquette from Duquette. Thank you for being on Backstory Song again. Thanks so much, Doug. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.